Hello and welcome to the Believe Crew podcast. The business is you. I'm Jamie White, founder of Believe Crew and your host. Let's jump right in. Hello, welcome to today's podcast episode. And today I'm interviewing Amy. And Amy, I would love to hear you you share your version of the story of who you are, your business, and why you're here. I'm Amy Pierquette. I own Waterfront Graphic Design. I have been in business for 22 years. So I've seen all kinds of changes, all kinds of evolutions in business, how businesses run. And maybe I could share something to help someone go, hey, you know, she did it. I could do it too. I love that. Absolutely. I definitely want someone to leave that po- this podcast with that in mind. So if we think about that, then um, usually I like to dig into like, what are some of the invisible walls that you ran into as an entrepreneur that you didn't expect to? And how did you like, how do you recognize now the breakdowns before the breakthroughs? You know, what are some of the things that come up? You know, how you help your clients, any of that stuff is, is, you know, all the things I love to dig into, but specifically with the idea of like us ending with this feeling of like, you could do it too. And yep. mm-hmm. I love that. But that's kind of the, starting with the end in mind, it's my favorite. (laughs) But I want to kind of ask the question before we get too far down the the entrepreneurial mental health combination. I am the main person. I do have an assistant um, that helps me with kind of the running of the business, not necessarily the work. Um, I have tried hiring people to mm. do some work and to be a hundred percent honest and transparent, I was disappointed in, in that. And so were my clients. So if I can get some of the day to day running of the business off my plate, mm-hmm. I can do a much better job for my clients, helping them with their websites, helping them figure out what to do. What do I do next? How do I implement that into my website? All of those things are what I really excel at. The day-to-day operations of how how do I, you know, manage the CRM or how do I manage this? Not exactly something that trips my trigger. So finding someone else to handle all of those little odds and ends has been literally mm-hmm. a godsend to me. I love that because ultimately it sounds like you're embracing the fact that you're the artist and really like obviously in Believe Crew, we work with a lot of coaches. And so they're really artists in a different way. And they don't want to do the behind the scenes. <laughs> like we talk about that all the time. Like there's a lot of stuff behind the scenes and somebody else in our, in Believe Crew, Rachel loves the behind the scenes. And she's like, I'm not called to be a coach. You guys do what you do well and I'll help you. Yeah. And you know what? Sometimes I even like to say that I'm kind of like a coach too. In many ways, people come to me, either I need a website or I've got this website. Okay. I think it sucks. I'm embarrassed for people to see it. I hear that all the time, right? I mean, I'm so embarrassed for people to see it. I don't even want to hand out my business card and I don't. Um, So helping them through the process of what, what do we need to put on the site? Like they Mm -hmm. may have an idea of what they need. We sit and talk about it, but then I co I do coach them in. Yeah. Bring it out. This is what you want. Here's what right. I recommend. Here's what I think you need to go. Maybe what you need to concentrate on instead of that. Just because I've worked with so many people, I've worked with coaches myself, 
and, you know, just helping people through the process and being in business for so long myself, I'm kind of like, okay, that's a great idea. But out of all these years, I've never seen that work. Why hasn't worked for anybody that I know? So why don't we, why don't we go down this road instead? I mean, I'm more than happy it. to try it, but because it's your business, but my recommendation is XYZ, right? So We've talked a little bit before where because you're representing someone's brand in doing the website for them and designing it, like you really have to get to know them. And I think if I remember right, you said you kind of get like a download on who people are and sort of this intuitive, you know, process of like, okay, this is what I heard them saying. Would you consider yourself to be intuitive in the process? Absolutely. Um, I've really come to realize that when I meet with somebody the questions that I ask, and I do have an online questionnaire that I have people fill out before they start working with me, either either it be a logo design or a website design or even just a brochure, right? They fill out that. And then I sit down and I do a, like a one-to-one or a Zoom call or, or anything like that. And I start asking a lot of questions and I do get a really strong sense of that person, what, what the personality is, what they're looking for. And a lot of times I go with my gut. And mm-hmm. when I follow through on that initial thought of this person is this type of person and would really like this, I'm mm-hmm. right almost all the time, right? Like it's like a 99% success That's rate. awesome. I get comments from people like when we're done with the site or we're done with something, many times I've gotten the exact comment of, wow, you really got me, right? So is that intuition? I, I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You're creating a vetting process along with using your intuition, like, right. Like the questionnaire and having that one-on-one conversation, you're finding out if you're the right fit for working with that person. And then, mm-hmm. I mean, it sounds like, is that what you would agree? That is. Yeah. I mean, when, whenever you work with somebody, it's, it is a two-way street. They're not interviewing mm-hmm. you only, you are interviewing them. And I may not right, be a right partner right. for that person. And I'm going to know it right right off the bat that, okay, I'm probably not the right person for you because of X, Y, Z, you know, whatever the reason is. So, okay, so I'm going to go back farther in your business. Okay. 20 some years ago when you started, did you have a similar process? Did you just know right off the bat, this is nope. how we're going to do this? Absolutely not. <laughs> in fact, the, the intuitive part, actually became very apparent in the last five years only. Mm. So as I, cause I actually started doing some personal work on myself. I stopped Mm -hmm. kind of working so much with coaches. I I was like, no, I got to fix me right. There's, you know, there's some trauma in me I needed to fix. So I worked on that. And then once I started dropping a lot of my fears and self doubt and stuff like that, all of this stuff just became very apparent, very clear. Yeah. And I knew which way to go. You're telling me that for almost 15 plus years, or let's just say approximately 15. No, do I have the math right? Yeah. Approximately 15 years, you looked to others to find out what you should quote unquote do to run your business and to do things. And then you stopped and you decided, I'm just going to work on me. And you started getting clarity on where to take your business because you were working on you. Yep. Because you already knew inside you what you wanted and you were trusting yourself more. That's it. That's it. Exactly. This is huge. Um, it's huge. Cause we do 
as entrepreneurs, and I see it all the time when I'm, when I'm talking to clients, they question themselves constantly. And when you start questioning yourself and you're doing it all the time, you got to start looking inside and going, why? Because there's a reason for it. And once you start looking into the why am I constantly doubting myself? Why am I constantly second guessing myself or having limiting beliefs or I'm not good enough? That's a, that's something else that comes through entrepreneurs heads all the time. Cause I hear it almost daily from uh, clients that I talk to. Oh, well, I don't know. It's probably not good enough or it's not that it's not that it's all of that is what's holding them back. So mindset. Yeah. I've been noticing even for myself, the closer that I get to what I really believe I'm being called to and the closer that I get to knowing what I want, the more there are belief systems that need to change. And we've started doing some work in healing to understand obligations and, you know, that like I need to I need to literally rewire my brain here because otherwise I'm not going to get past this. It's just not, we're going to be stuck here for a while. (laughs) (laughs) Well, whenever I get a feeling I, I've changed those first 15 years. There was a lot of self doubt, a lot of questioning, a lot of everything, but now whenever I get a feeling either negative or, or whatever, right? Like if I get angry, if I get, doubty if I any negative emotion like that instead of looking outward or blaming someone else for that emotion I turn it and I look within and I'm like okay what do I need to fix because I'm getting angry or frustrated for a reason and it's actually your emotions are more about you than it does about the person that you're angry at or frustrated at so you need to do that that work so I always turn it within now and I go, okay, what is this telling me? Because that's what it is. It's telling you that something needs to be fixed. So if you're frustrated in your business, stop looking outside. Yes, maybe hire a coach or work with someone to work on things that you don't understand, like budgeting or things like that, right? But when you're having feelings come up about your business, that's 100% all you, right? So you just got to look yeah. within and go, okay, what is this really telling me? And then People don't like to do this, but you have to sit quietly with yourself and the answer will come. So, and then being willing for that answer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A lot of times when I'm blocked from an answer, it's, yeah, I love to say when people say, I don't know, you know, I'm like, and you do, it's just scary. You're rejecting it a little bit or your, your fear. Yeah. Yeah. plays a huge role. Yeah. There too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, there's times I don't want to work on stuff. <laughs> like it was serving me for a while, right? And so it worked in a different way. Now you're saying that your process in your business for you is to work on you. Mm-hmm. And that helps grow your business. Well, I've been in business for 22 years. I understand the process. I know how to build a website. Mm-hmm. It became very apparent mm-hmm. to me five, six years ago, whatever, that it wasn't the fact that I didn't know how to do it. It was that I was questioning my ability to do it. And every time I think back on who I was back then, and I think every time that I met with a client, they didn't hire me. It was probably extremely apparent to me, my low self-esteem. Right. Why would they hire me if I don't feel confident in my own ability, even though I definitely knew what I was talking about? They didn't come across like I did. So if you knew that there was an entrepreneur 
that was just getting started anywhere along the process. And they haven't really thought about how some of the things that they're running into could be the work that they need to do on themselves. How do we even define how much investment in time and money or resources that it takes? I mean, like everybody's in a different place. I I heard someone tell me one time that it takes five years and 150,000 for coaches to build one of those courses, you know, one of those great money-making courses that um, people talk about online for coaches. And I, I feel like that's kind of the number for me, <laughs> like in terms of doing the work, I don't want to scare anyone, but I started, you know, with 2,400 for the year. That was my initial investment in myself. And it was probably mm-hmm. eight years ago. So then when I started to up the ante, it just kind of kept going up. <laughs> Well, Time, money, I, resources. I couldn't tell you how much I've spent on it. Um, mm-hmm. But I know that when I came across somebody, you know, they they offered the price tag of $5,000. And when I went, yes, sign me up, I knew I was ready. Right. Right. Because right. $5,000 didn't scare me. Like now, right. if, if it's something that I'm not, maybe I'm not sure of, maybe I'm not whatever. I don't know if this is everybody's kind of journey, but when I realized I was tired of feeling a certain way, I was tired mm-hmm. of playing the, I'm the biggest victim on the planet role. Cause I, I was there. Um, I got tired of that. I'm like, I don't want to be here anymore. And I want this to stop now. Mm-hmm. When I started working with my coach, she's like $5,000, six months. I was like, sign me up. Cause I was so done being like that. Because I had spent most of my life in such a victim mentality that I was like, no, not anymore. And it doesn't mean that I don't slip into it every once in a while, but one, I'm not there permanently. Mm -hmm. And when I do slip into it, I notice it immediately and I get myself back out of it because I'll only be in there for like a few minutes because I don't want to be there anymore. Yeah. When I was first doing the breakdowns, um, before the breakthroughs, it was like a complete meltdown, entire day, you know, <laughs> just take the day off the calendar, clear the calendar. And now it's like, oh, I feel something coming. <laughs> I'm like able to work through it. You know, it's not that the bumps don't come. Mm-hmm. It's not that the, the you know, come. moments aren't there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just how, how we work through them now is differently. And, yeah. and um, I love what you said about like, sort of like it, it no longer became about the cost. Like you knew you were ready. You knew it was worth it. Like, what does it take to get over this or to get through mm-hmm. this or to become, you know, a different version of myself? I mean, basically what we're saying is we're not the same people that we were five years ago because we've grown in crazy ways that are hard, hard to explain even. Well, and I think about it too. It's people look at it as, oh, that's $5,000 out the door. Well, first of all, that's investing in you. It's investing on how you feel how you live your life. I have a completely different outlook on life. You know, everything that used to be important to me that was not really important is no longer important, right? Like other things are more important. I live a much more happy, fulfilled, like just amazing life. And to me, the money that I've spent on working on me, thousand times worth it. I would rather be where I'm at. And never mind the fact that every one of these people that I worked with, they said, once you start to work on yourself and you get rid of your traumas and and all these negative beliefs and stuff, 
it will start to show up in your business too. And they're not wrong. Mm -hmm. Right. Because people meet me now and they're like, I love your energy. I love talking to you. I love interviewing you. Like, I love this. I love this. And that wouldn't have come. Right. So working on yourself does impact your business in a positive way. Yeah. Yeah. And, and when we take this and kind of combine it with the thought of what you're trying to create for clients, when you're trying to create that marketing, that branding piece, if they haven't done the work, it's sort of like, we're going to have to redo the website in a couple of years, but maybe that has to happen anyway. (laughs) Like as they do the work, they become, we become different people. Yeah. Yeah. And typically it does. If, if they are actively growing their business every five years or less, depending, right? Your business is going to grow and shift. So as your business grows and shift, you should be addressing your marketing and your, your message. Cause maybe you started your business and then you hired me like three years after you started your business and, and we built a website. Well, five years down the road, you're what you're, if your business is in the same place, it was five years ago. Mm-hmm. you're probably not doing something right, yeah, right? Because yeah. you should be ev- evolving and shifting and maybe niching down and finding out who's my target market. And because a lot of people start their business, when they start their business, they're like, oh yeah, I can work with anybody. Yes. Because you know? <laughs> <laughs> I've seen it over. Oh, well, first of all, that was me. And then yeah, right. um, I've seen it over and over and over. But then yeah. as you get into your business, you start to realize either no, this is my target market, or I prefer to work with these people. That's two completely mm-hmm. different thought processes, but I prefer right. to work with X, Y, and Z. Well, then if, as you change and evolve that, if the message on your website no longer resonates with that group of people, it's mm-hmm. time to do some work on that site, right? Time to work on the message, time to work on what you're trying to say in order to attract that right person. So mm-hmm. yes. Everything. I mean, as people, we are constantly evolving, but as should your website. Mm -hmm. So what are you seeing right now when you're working with entrepreneurs and just in general, different from maybe in the past and maybe not even that long ago past? Like what's different? The one thing I've definitely seen, even just, I'm going to say before the pandemic, a lot of people did not put weight into their website. It was Mm -hmm. kind of, it was almost like a back burner item. So to find someone like the that business would, card that really wasn't going to. Yeah, it was like, yeah, it's there. It's fine. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Now people are putting much more priority into it. The, wow. the amount of websites that I have done in the last three years where it was. And I'm saying old website, like 10 years old, right? Anywhere between mm-hmm. five and 10 years or even longer than that. Um, and then they're finally going, I really need to, but it was, it was this, this shift in that the the pandemic caused that, Ah, that virtual world, mm -hmm, all of these people are like, yeah, I really need to do it. So I've been Mm -hmm. doing some, taking some really old websites lately. (laughs) I love it. The before and afters are literally insane. Yeah, because when you're talking about 10 years ago, you're talking about like not a lot of graphics, maybe some text, not Mm -hmm. pretty at all. Like it just didn't have anything to draw people in. Plus it's also not mobile ready. So 
Right. Um, Mobile's huge. It's huge. When you've, when you've got more than, I mean, close to 60 to 70% of the people using mobile, if it's right. not, you know, if it doesn't work on mobile, you're missing a huge chunk right. of the audience. But I would say that was probably the biggest shift I've seen. Mm-hmm. What we've seen with mm-hmm. Believe Crew in people using the website is like, we don't lead with the website, right? When we're talking to people or, you know, having conversations, we're not like, oh, go check out our website. But what we're finding is that as they learn more about us, as they connect with us, then they go to the website to sort of verify, clarify, you know, anything that we haven't said that doesn't make any sense. It's like, does the website explain it? And I remember in the previous businesses that I was in, I wanted the website to answer any of the questions that customers would call us with so that we could access the information on the website because what's better designed than a website? Like trying to find the information in a different printout or handout or some online, you know, I was like, just put everything the customer's asking on the website. <laughs> like, Let's just answer our own questions. And I've kind of found that too, that, you know, people, maybe they find out about you, they find, find you on social media, word of mouth, anything like that. And people are coming to the website to kind of vet you out. Like, is this person legitimate? Right. Are they, yeah. you know, how, yeah. how professional are they? Are they fly by night thing? Or they've been around for a little while. Um, it's more kind mm-hmm. of finding out more about you. Yeah. Yeah. When you think about you and your business, what are some of the things that you think about investing in for yourself as a business owner and your business over the next couple of years? Like what are some of the things that might be on the horizon? A little bit more work on myself. I just wanted to add, I would love to normalize personal growth and personal development as a, as a line item, as an expense on profit and loss sheets for for business owners. That's, that's my mission right now. It's so important. Um, I came to realize that I still have a little bit of fear guiding me. And um, Mm. in fact, I just signed up for a, another course to kind of work through figuring out, like, I know the fear is there. And I think it's still holding me back in my business just a little bit, but I'm not quite sure what the fear is. So I need to work with someone and kind of work through figuring out what it is so that I can then address it. And then I feel like once, once this fear blocker is gone, my business will go to the, even the next level. So yeah, that's beautiful. Beautiful that you have that awareness, beautiful that you're willing to make that investment and beautiful that you understand it's here. It's real. And I'm not figuring it out on my own. I, I went to a forum one time. I don't know if you've ever heard of the Landmark Forum. They do something where people stand up in front of the room and they help somehow bring out what people's fears are, or like they call it um a racket. And when people are standing up there, they're pointing out the racket from the stage um, the, the hosts are, but the people have no idea that this is their blind spot. Like you can tell they're not trying to cover it up. It's it, and the rest of us in the audience don't have that same belief system. And so we're like laughing because it's so obvious to us and yet they can't see it. <laughs> like what? It's right and there. That, that's actually true. Cause the more work that I do on myself, the more that I can actually see what's holding other people back to, right? Because you can see their fears or you can, like, they'll say a sentence and you, you're you just like, wow, that is so holding you back. And yeah. I've counseled some of my clients through fears. I had a client of mine um, 
She's up in New York, the most amazing rock star of a woman that you'd ever meet. She's funny. She's just smart. Um, and I made some advice for her website. One of them was to create a video for her landing page, right? And so she created this this video. She's got an she's been in like Hollywood a little bit. Like, I mean, this woman's a rock star. She's done it all, right? She tours for her comedy, like everything, right? So her onstage presence, her video presence is like on spot. But she doesn't think so. She showed me the video and she's like, well, I don't know. I don't know. I think it just might be too much. It might be too much. I don't think, I don't think it's good because it, it's too much me. I'm too much out there. And I was like, okay, all right, let's, let's have talk. Okay. Because first of all, your ideal clientele is going to love you. It's going to resonate with your, first of all, amazing energy, right? Why would you want to attract people that are attracted to the pared down you? And she's like, well, I don't. Then think about what you just said. And she's like, oh, well, so this is fine then? And I'm like, yes, because the people that are going to resonate with that, that energy that you are putting out there is going to hire you. Because they're like, wow, I want to be like her, <laughs> right? Um, I want to coach with her. And once I taught her that, she's been going gangbusters. Because now she's not questioning herself anymore. But I had to point it out to her for her to see it. Because she didn't see that she was holding herself back. But she was questioning that she was too much. And I'm like, no, mm -mm, you're not too much. I love that you. Because that is what makes you, you, and what makes you amazing. Do not squash that. And I think as entrepreneurs, we are just like that woman where we are constantly squashing ourselves. I'm not good enough. Yeah. I'm too much. I'm this. So if you ever hear yourself say any sentence that even remotely sounds like that, you are squashing yourself. Just pay attention to your own inner thoughts and start maybe yeah. make a journal start writing them down just start paying attention to what you're saying to yourself because there's probably a lot of negative thoughts in there and those negative thoughts become beliefs and those beliefs are holding you back i love it <laughs> i feel like just saying preach it sister preach it. <laughs> hey we all didn't go through all of it to not share it right right what you said you said so beautifully and i just want to give that a moment of those things that we're saying to ourselves, especially the things that are, I'm not enough or I'm too much. It's on both ends of the spectrum mm -hmm. and neither are true. Mm -hmm. This is a situation where the best version of us is what people want to see. And yet we've been told by someone like, who's, who's telling you that, right? Whose voice is that saying you're too much? or you're not enough. Chances are it's someone else's voice and maybe they heard the same voice in their head mm -hmm. and it was someone else telling them that. But as we step into who we are, because who determines whether we're too much or not enough? You heard it somewhere. Someone else yeah. said that to you, mm -hmm. right? Or that you're not important. 
I have mm-hmm. a limiting belief. It's still there a little bit, guys. It's not completely gone. Um, that I'm not good. I'm not good enough. Mm-hmm. And I think somewhere back in my childhood, and I've already uncovered quite a few of the instances. Um, I felt like I wasn't important, mm-hmm. right? Like there was things that happened in my childhood or things that were said to me that made me believe that I, I just wasn't important. I didn't matter. Basically, I didn't matter is the limiting belief. And I've been working on that one. And I still struggle with it because, you know, even to this day, if I'm not invited to something or I'm not whatever, you know, I still then that that little thing, it just creeps up. And then I'm like, "Mm -mm, nope, I'm I'm aware of it now and I can shut it down. But it still tries to creep up that okay you're not important see this is evidence you're not important right and well and when and when we haven't shifted the thought yet when the when the belief um hasn't been literally rewired you could say then we look for proof that it's true and so you know like my favorite line when i point out a belief system to someone that isn't quite ready to change it you know they're like well i can give you proof here's my story you know like I know the proof exists that, that you were, you know, not important or something like that. There's proof, but the problem is, is we've been looking for proof to prove this bad Mm -hmm. belief. And what happens if we change the belief to believe that you literally are super important or, you know, just letting it go that obligation to not be important, or it's a sin to be important, you know, something even at that level, if we shift that then our whole perspective changes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But really the first step is just becoming aware of the fact that it's there in the first place. Mm-hmm. That's half the battle. Absolutely. Because most people walk around yeah. not even being aware of the fact that they have this yeah. thought going through their head or that that thought is actually controlling their life. There's a book by Anthony DeMello called Awareness. He also has one called The Way to Love. And I think he, I, I personally like the audio version. I know someone else that doesn't. And he just says, you know, everyone's asleep. They're just asleep. <laughs> like, it's true. The first battle I mean, is awareness. If I yeah. think back to before I started working on myself, I, one, I don't recognize that person. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. just like, wow, what a miserable life did I leave? <laughs> like, I just I lived like so horribly. And not that my life was like horrible, but it, my mindset was so negative. I'm curious what your, what words you remember saying back then that maybe you don't say anymore. Cause I know for myself, I use the word frustrated all the time. <laughs> I don't say it anymore. I'm most of the time not frustrated because if I do recognize an emotion like that coming up, then I deal with it. Cause I know, like you said, I got to look inside. There's a belief system. I got to change. Mm-hmm. I think the biggest thing for me was kind of like I said, I'm I'm not important. I'm not good enough. Mm. Um, and it was all a lot of self-doubt. Mm-hmm. So not being good So enough. you wouldn't have necessarily had words that you were saying. Like I'm a more verbal person. I was expressing this stuff to people. And I'm and just like, more... oh my word, I'm so frustrated. And I was a blamer. I was a blamer. I definitely was a blamer. Um, I pointed the finger at other people a lot when I got hurt. Um, now it doesn't mean that that person didn't hurt me because they, they did exactly right? yes. in, in very yeah. strong yeah. ways sometimes. But, um, you know, when, when people call you really nasty names or yell at you or anything like that, that's hurtful. But instead of going, 
yeah, that's actually their emotional issue, not my emotional issue. That doesn't have anything to do with yeah. me, which yeah. is where I go now with it. When someone says something, when they call me a bad name or whatever, I'm like, Ooh, yeah, what comes out of your mouth is in your heart. Like, you know, and I just kind of walk away and I go, I wish the best for you. Like, uh, this is not me. Um, but in the past, I used to take it as like personal, like this is, this is me. And then oh. I would be down for days or weeks or months or whatever, you know? Right. Right. Um, Giving someone else permission to kind of hold control over your energy in a way. It was horrible. It was horrible. Wow. Like I had, I, I felt literally uncontrolled, like I had no control in my life and mm. it felt like a little spiral at times. Oh, that's heavy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are you saying that it's literally lighter? <laughs> it's different. like so like much it's lighter. Actually... Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I can be around other people and I can pick up the negativity like crazy. So you're probably more of an empath anyway. Like you just sense people's emotions and feelings. I always have. Mm -hmm. When I was younger, um, I love to tell this story once it became very clear to me. Like I remember thinking this a lot when I was a child, but there's one specific time that popped into my head when I was 12 that, you know, I could walk into a room. I knew when someone was upset, sad or mad or whatever. And I would go and comfort that person. And like, especially if they were sad, right? Like I wanted to, you know, make them feel better. And whenever I felt sad or mad or any emotion where I wanted comfort, no one ever came to me. And I believe that my belief of I'm not important stemmed from that. Right. Because I felt that because no one came to me when I felt bad, I was just like invisible or whatever. And then I learned later that, okay, you might be an empath and you pick up on that kind of stuff and the rest of the population does it. But until I learned right. that, I thought it just meant that no one really, really truly cared about me. And now I know it's just, well, they're just not wired that way or they can't, they can't show me that right. kind of caring or emotion. What I've heard recently around that same thing was sort of like when that happens, oh, I, I'm wishing Kara was here right now because she is the teacher in Believe Crew and she <laughs> remembers this kind of stuff. Like in our relationship, I see the book and then I'm like, hey, Kara, here's a d- good book. <laughs> like I read the first three chapters. Maybe you could read the rest. Let me know what it says. So I feel like I want her wording right now, but I just know that it's super important what you pointed out that when we, when kids or I'm not even sure up to what age, when we don't have acknowledgement, like that, that feeling existed when that feeling hurt. I mean, right now I have to apologize or want to apologize to my oldest, you know, when I was parenting at a young age and didn't know some of this stuff today, I would give my little guy a hug and I would ask him about his feelings. Mm -hmm. But with my oldest, I didn't know how to help him deal with his feelings. And so I was like, go to your room until you get it worked out. And ultimately, it doesn't necessarily help him, you know, like talk through it. Yeah. Recognizing emotions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what? I might've actually done the exact same thing. Cause I have two girls, an older one and a younger one. The older one, I almost felt like she wasn't very vocal anyway. She was kind of quiet and shy. Um, and so she didn't ever, you know, really show emotions. And I, I do remember times where I'm like, okay, just go to your room until you're like, you know, ready to whatever. Or, yeah. 
And, but that's what my parents did. So I didn't know any different. And my other daughter who's 15, well, she would have, she would have been 10 when I started doing the work. Right. So she's going through the teenage years where I'm sitting down and talking to her. Okay. Well, let's talk this through. Let's talk this through. Okay. How did that feel? You know, that doesn't have anything to about you. That bully that bullied you, that's their projection of what's going on inside of them. It has nothing to do with you. So I was actually able to talk her through a lot more stuff than I was ever able to my 18-year-old. Yeah. What What's coming up for me when you say this is um, there's a personality assessment. It's not really a personality assessment, but in those lanes. And um, it's called lifelanguages.com. It's not love languages. Uh, they have an assessment too, of course, <laughs> but but in the life languages assessments, it's more of a language and they talk about the language of action, the language of thinking and the language of feeling. And I think what's coming up for me right now is that I feel like the language of action has had very high, like what we do matters more than who we are sometimes. So the language of action seems like it's a very well-liked language. I don't know if that's important language. I don't know. I'm, there's a word I'm searching for. I can't find I think people feel, and it's not all people, of course, but there's a fair amount right, of people, right. and it probably was me in the past too. Of is what you do makes who you are. Yeah, like what you accomplish, yeah. how much money you make, all of this other stuff. That yes, it's great to make a lot of money, but they're putting their only worth onto that. So that mm-hmm. that kind of what's what makes me think of when you say the action, right? Yeah, that yeah. So then, doing, so we have this language of action that's super important and then we have the language of thinking which is also talked about as super important but what about that language of feeling like has society really embraced the language of feeling as having the same level of importance no i believe that feelings are something that's kind of in in our society you don't talk about them like you have to especially i feel like males boys like if you have feelings, if you cry, if you whatever, it's like you're weak or something like that's so just something that happens in our society. And then as you like suppress all of that, sometimes it just comes out as a, a big explosion in some kind of way. Yeah. Right. So we definitely need to, as a society, figure out a way to, to say that, you know, feelings are okay. My 15 year old's like class, like the people, her age range, because of COVID, I think that, you know, they, they missed a very, these kids, they missed a very important time of, of learning how to communicate and uh, work together and stuff like that. And the amount of kids that are like lashing out and doing some really not so great behavior or not knowing how to communicate with other kids and they're just bullying each other or yelling at each other or whatever. They, they missed two years of interaction with other people or could have been alone for two years because their parents were at work, you know, while they were home doing school. And I think we're going to learn a lot from that as a society and we're going to learn, okay, emotions are really important and we need to teach kids how to deal with their emotions and actually be able to communicate instead of just pushing it down and suppressing all of it because that's not helpful. Well, and I think creating awareness um, to the fact that the, the feelings are already there. The feelings exist. We just haven't given them space. We haven't, you know, because even 
in websites when you use color, color evokes different emotions, different feelings for different people. And they often say, you know, blue is like trustworthy and loyal and, you know, like doesn't mean it is for everybody, but general rules of thumb apply, you know, like you would use certain colors as you're designing certain things. And so the feelings have always been there. They've always been an extreme um, part of society. I just don't think that it was, it's like for some reason, one language may have, may be perceived as better than another, depending on what industries we work in or the, the way we were raised. And, um, you know, maybe our ancestors kind of helped us create the, the vision, you know, the, the lens that we see things through to, and I think for mine, it was doing, it was the action and then maybe thinking, right. Depending on the ancestor and, and how I was raised, but Mm -hmm. feelings, not so much. I think that's especially in business. Like, even if I think about my dad, it was action, thinking, feeling. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I totally think we're on the same place because my dad was like, he was always doing stuff and stuff. Like, and I, I, one of the things I realized about myself is that I was one of those people. I always had to do, 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 do. And so if I wasn't working on my business, I was doing something else. I was always doing something else and I couldn't just stop and be. Space to feel, space to be. <laughs> Both are important. That's, that's an avoidance avoidance thing too because you're mm-hmm. if if you're not quiet and meditating or just quiet and sitting then the feelings will never come up and you'll never have to deal with them so someone called me out on that uh, a little over a year ago you know that I didn't really like being alone I didn't like sitting and thinking and so that is something I've mm-hmm. practiced over the last year but I did not like it when I first heard that because I liked that I liked not being alone. <laughs> I liked that I liked not being quiet, you know, like, and mm-hmm. so at first it takes, you know, the kind of that curiosity of like, why do people say this? Why do they say that it's important to be able to be quiet or to be able to be comfortable being alone or to meditate? Mm-hmm. I was like, what's meditating? <laughs> so anyway, oh my goodness, it's been so good to have this conversation with you. And I feel like there's so many more directions that we could go in. But ultimately, when we started the podcast, we kind of wanted to to leave listeners with this idea that if you could build the business, like, or if you could work through some of this stuff that almost anyone can, is there anything else that you feel has been left unsaid in that area? Oh, geez. <laughs> um, I guess every time you think that you can't, you can. Like, just tell yourself you can. One of the things that helped me was I started writing down positive things, right? Almost like a journal. Um, You can say them out loud. Uh, Writing down maybe doesn't work for you. Maybe if you verbalize it, it works better for you. But once I started realizing how impactful that was, and I'm not the only one, like everybody knows about like writing down positivity and stuff like that. Um, once I started writing down certain intentions I wanted for my business or goals, right? When I wrote them down and then like every morning I would write down a positive thing. It changed the makeup of my brain in such a strong way. So if you're finding that you keep either wanting to quit or to give up, but ultimately you don't want to because you really want to succeed, 
but you're questioning whether or not you can, which I, in the first 15 years, I probably, I'm going to say 2000 times, probably wanted to quit. I thought I wasn't good enough. Um, once I found this really positive thing of, of um, writing down positivity and all the wonderful things that happen in a day or, you know, I, I even have a folder right back there. I have a folder of every time someone puts a positive review out, I print it out and I put it in that folder. And, or if they just write an email back to me, not even a review, just a positive email. I put it in there and sometimes I just pull it out and I just start reading. So it's like, look at how many lives you've impacted because you've helped other people run their business more effectively. That's super powerful. There's a book, Dan Sullivan writes a book called The Gap and the Gain. And he talks about what happens in our brains when we're consistently looking at the gap between where we are and where we want to go versus the gain where we've been and the progress that we've made from that perspective. And so it sounds like that's really what you started doing and that created a shift for you in your brain. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Look how far I've come. Cause I'm mm -hmm. always constantly looking back, like where was I five years ago? Wow. Look how far I've come. And I, the other thing that came up too, when you were sharing a little bit here at the end is maybe this myth that entrepreneurs or business owners get in business and they, they like, know. Like it's because they're so confident that that's how they end up in business. And so I'm just curious just a little bit, how did you end up in business? Even though, you know, you had this 2000 times of like, I'm not good enough. You still had like this little seed of something that created a desire to go, I guess I'm going to start a business. Well, you're going back 22 years. So that's going to be <laughs> a little harder question to answer, but, um, to be honest, I had no idea what I was going to do with the business. Um, 22 years ago, I didn't work on websites. I actually designed magazines. And I worked at a magazine publisher. And I had thought about that I wanted to maybe work on my own, but I didn't quite know how I was going to achieve it or accomplish it. And one day, the owner of the company said, well, I know you want to do this. So I am giving you the push to make you do it. I'm wow. you are. Now, I don't know if that was a nice way of saying I'm laying you off because I don't have enough work for you. She didn't have enough work for me. But she right. said, all the work that you've been doing for me in office, I'm going to hire you to do outside. So I had start to, right from the get go, I had like basically a part time job as a, right. a freelance, you know, a graphic designer. So that was great. So then I just spent time building, 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 building. Now in 2010, the business shifted and changed like all the magazine stuff. Cause I was like designing multiple magazines at that point in 2010, all of those magazines died mm -hmm. all in the same year. So I had to completely shift and I used 2010 cause it was January of 2010 where I lost January and February. I lost all my work. So I went from having basically a full-time job, you know, designing all of these things to having nothing. Mm -hmm. so talk about scary. And I had to completely rebuild my business. And so I used 2010 to figure out what am I going to do when I grow up? And I, I learned how to do website. I learned where I wanted to do it. And I'm like, oh, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. But I stuck to it. I learned how to do it. And I evolved. So when I when 2011 came, I was run out the gate running. Like, and this is what I'm doing moving forward. 
So during 2010, how many times did you think, I wonder if I should get a job? Probably every day. Mm-hmm. But And yet there was a piece of you that knew. Yeah. If I don't well, get a job, I need to reinvent myself. I need to pivot. I need something needs to I change. Need to I need to invest in myself in a new way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because, I mean, one of the reasons why I wanted to have my own business is I did want to raise my kids. Mm-hmm. I didn't want them to go to daycare. That was extremely important to me. And for 22 years, I have worked out of this bar right here, like this house. Mm-hmm. That doesn't bother me. It was always okay. Um, my kids grew up playing on the other side of this office you know, they were always coming in for the cuddles and doing all of that. So in 2010, I had a six-year-old and a Mm nine-year-old. So they weren't old enough for me too. So what kept me going instead of just going, I'm going to go to work, you know, was them. Right. 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 Like my love for them and me wanting to be there for them was extremely important to me. You weren't, every day waking up and going, I want to be a business owner. I want to be an entrepreneur. Um, I don't want a job. You were waking up every day going, should I get a job? But I really don't want to leave my girls. So I need to figure out what's another option. <laughs> yeah. This is, this is the reality of what the brain is doing and saying, you know, to the outside perspective, it might not seem like that when entrepreneurs seem successful or seem like things mm-hmm. are going well. It's, it's, the the conversations in our head are not what somebody else might think they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. But everything's changed now. I mean, they're older, they're grown up. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so now you have to do it for you. I'm doing it for me now, but I, you know, I'm doing it for me, but I'm doing it for my clients because I know I can make an impact mm-hmm. in their lives and in their business. Right. So that impact in how I'm taking the stress off of them or helping support them either be their mindset or otherwise um, helping in them with all the technology. Some people just can't handle technology. They don't understand how it works. So me assisting them and helping them in that way is such a relief for them. And then they can go on and run their business and not have mm-hmm. to worry. Well, what I hear you saying is that you working in your, your zone of genius, your gifts and talents, the gifts that you've been given you're able to, through your business, do those things and be a a help to others. Like, yes, it's for your clients because obviously if it wasn't for our clients, we wouldn't show up. But at the same time, you're able to work in your gifts and talents. And and the more Mm -hmm. you work in your zone of genius, the more they can (laughs) benefit from your gifts (laughs) instead of, and, and they can do what's their gifts, right? Like whenever we work in our gifts, it gives somebody else permission to work in theirs. Right. Well, thank you, Amy. Thank you for this conversation. And hopefully someone from this podcast feels like it is possible for them to be the entrepreneur that they're called to be. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. 